A good Tuesday afternoon to you. Welcome on in to the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. We are also powered by Gray Bar and driven by Munganat St. Louis Acura. He is Mike Claiborne. I'm Joe Roderick. Uh, broadcasting Klaibs from Seattle, home of tonight's All-Star Game last night, the uh, the Home Run Derby. As uh, you take this time to uh, to recharge your batteries as our well, 25 of the 26 Cardinals on the roster. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, um, they, they pushed everybody's pushed a reset button at this point. But the, the challenge is, uh, you know who you are. And I've said it countless times the the answer to saving this season is not on the roster, not in the organization. So I think this next series of games with Washington, um, Miami, Chicago and Arizona, are really going to dictate whether you're a real seller or not, or, or are you going to try and load up? And I have always asked this question. I'll ask you, if you're a seller, A, what are you selling and what are you looking for in return? Uh, you know, because I think it's easy to say, oh, we got to move such and such. But every organization, as we're learning, doesn't have the talent that maybe is conducive for what you're looking for. So you have to make sure that this thing meshes up the right way just to be saying you making a move, I don't think helps you at all. I mean, first, you just have to look at the contracts and see who you don't think is coming back. And I think the one name that jumps out a lot of people is Jack Flaherty and wondering if he so let me is ask a guy. You why, why is that? You know, I've heard that before. It was, it's interesting uh, that you use him first because I had this conversation with him maybe a month ago. And, you know, he, he, made, he basically said, why does everybody think I'm not coming back? What, what, what have I said? What have I done to give everybody an indication that I'm not coming back? I, I wonder if it's the perception that he is from the West Coast, that he wants that, that and the thinking that you look at it and you just assume he wants to go back there. And you've had the conversations with him, so you would know better than I would say anybody else in the media. I know that you guys talk a lot, so... It, I mean, I, I guess I'll throw it back on you and ask you, is that a perception that you get that he wants to be out on the West Coast? No. Or is, is he happy with the organization that drafted him? Well, I'm not sure if he's totally happy with how the organization's handled some things, but I don't think that going back to California or going to L.A. is, you know, maybe it was something you think about as a kid. But, you know, I haven't gotten the indication that that's the, the utmost thing he wants to do. Now, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. But it's not like he's got his bags packed saying, I can't wait to get to L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I'm, I'm amused by that because I've heard it from multiple people in our business who, in my opinion, really don't know. Uh, and, and again, I may know just a little bit more, but I know they don't know anything. And yeah. for them to keep floating that out there is kind of a, it's a head scratcher. Um, now, that doesn't mean he won't be traded. And that doesn't mean he won't be traded to a team that's not in L.A. You know, the Cardinals, if they elect to move him, are going to make a deal that's going to be best for them, not for the player. And I go back to my original point. Just because a team wants to do business with you, you have to make sure that whatever you're getting in return is not a suspect, a legitimate top three player in your organization that you're willing to move. And then you say to yourself, Okay, where does that player fit in our situation? You know, does this person give us the security to be able to move somebody else 
in order to make sure that person can step in and, and contribute and we can move somebody else to get more more assets. So let me throw the next name out there. If uh, it, it, This is one that also comes with a lot of, um, I, I guess, tags, a lot of hangups on it, and that's Paul Goldschmitz. Do you, and that is he, he has the no trade clause, so he can he can pick and choose where he would go. And he's your reigning MVP, and he's a guy that, you know, is by no means falling off at all. But with his age and with what you could get back for him, that's, I think, another name that comes up a lot when you hear chatter of who is on, who on this team is tradable. Again, the people who are inducing the chatter, I think are really out of the loop. I think, if anything, the Cardinals try and extend him. I, I think that's a guy that you probably extend where he finishes his career as a Cardinal. So let's take him off the table. And as you mentioned, he's got a no trade. So this is basically in his court as we speak. But and I that, got the I get the impression that the Cardinals may try and extend him. I you know, and we're gonna keep you know, we could keep throwing names out there. I just when you look at this team, and I, I talked with Nolan Arnado yesterday at the at the media day, at the all-star game media day. And he had said, you know what, this is it, my job is to play baseball here. Nobody has come up and talked to me about whether or not I would be willing to accept a trade. And he said, when that conversation comes, I'll address it then. He said, but right now my job is to go out there and play. And I asked him, I said, what are positives that you can look at from the first half of this season? I have 14 games under 500. What are the positives that you can look at? And he said, we have the fifth best offense right now. He goes, you look at those numbers and it's the fifth best offense. I think at some point, yeah, there are, you want to improve for next year. And as you've said before, the answer, the solutions are not on the roster right now. I wonder if you just sit back as much as you can take this season as a loss and say, you know what? Hey, next February, we're going to come back and we're going to be favorites again with the offense that we have. And we'll figure out a way to improve that pitching. I don't buy that. Um, Okay. Because first of all, I, I think that this season is still salvageable. Uh, you're two players away. You're two pitchers away from being back in this thing. And, you know, when you look back, they never replaced Jose Quintana, okay? They never replaced him in the rotation. If you get a couple of pitchers, you can get back in this thing. I mean, we've seen Michaelis and Flaherty and Montgomery have some pretty good outings here recently. Uh, and if you can get two more guys, and I think you need some help in the bullpen, so you may need three. And and don't you, you get some people with experience. I, I'm not talking about a promising guy, okay? I'm talking about people who have some ring experience and maybe who have been through this before. But I don't feel that you're in a position where you, you can raise a white flag and surrender. And just because, as you say, we'll come back strong in, in February, well, did we try that this year with, with – uh, trying to go out and get Contreras. I mean, to, to say what we're going to do and as gun shy as the Cardinals could be when it comes to signing free agents, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I think you also have to look at the free agent market. Look at the free agent market. Is there someone out there that you really target? Or are you looking at some organization that has control over a player that maybe has two years left on the deal that they just want to move because maybe you have some assets they like you know, I think that's also an option you have to take into account. So I'm not putting all my eggs in wait until next year because I already saw what next year looked like, and that's this year, and it didn't work. You uh, you mentioned the free agent class. Who would be the big name? Would it be Aaron Nola? Is he the big the big name right yeah, now? Yeah, I would say so. 
Okay. And I don't know why, you know, Aaron Nola is, is a linchpin of that organization right now. Uh, I'm sure Philadelphia is going to do everything in their power to try and sign him. But I'm also concerned when it comes to signing free agent pitchers, we can look at this year. All the guys that signed for the big money have not produced in the manner that you thought they would. Now, there have been some guys on the low end of that. You know, you look at Rivaldi and some other players who weren't on that top tier. They've done a pretty decent job. But you can't tell me that you're happy with what you see in Verlander and Scherzer and there's a couple of other guys who just haven't had it done. You look at uh, the guy in Texas, DeGrom, hurt yeah. again. So you, know, you you really have to be able to try and develop your own talent or get somebody's young talent, but you don't want to throw a ton of money into this. Here, here's what the Cardinals need to think about doing. They got to be more proactive in the Latin American market, first of all, because that doesn't cost you anything but money. You have to do a, a better job of going there and scouting and finding players that are conducive to help you. Because if you look around the league right now, there's a lot of guys that are just being signed. They're not being drafted. They're being signed out of, out of the Latin American countries. So that might be a better route. Um, you know, because the draft, okay, the draft, you know, that that can help you. I mean, we're, we're moving guys a little further up the ladder than what we've done in the past. And we've seen the fruits of that with, with Gorman and uh, – Jordan Walker and players of that nature. We'll probably see it with uh, Mason Wynn here fairly soon. But I think that's a more safe route than just saying, oh, we're going to go out and spend money in the offseason and free agency. Because free agency, as we learned this year, doesn't always give you the fruit that you plant the tree with. We will see how that plays out over the next few weeks as we approach the trade deadline. Um, uh, until then, though, as you mentioned, the Cardinals back in action this weekend. Uh, Nationals coming up on the uh, on the schedule. Nationals, Marlins, Cubs, Diamondbacks. And that was something Arenado also pointed out, too, when he was talking about the, the first two weeks of the second half, the schedule maybe being a little favorable towards them. And when the Cardinals do come back Saturday, July 15th, 25,000 fans ages 16 and older will take home an Albert Pujols bobblehead highlighting his 703 career home runs. That's presented by Coca-Cola and Schnucks. Details at cardinals.com slash promotions for that Albert Pujols bobblehead on July 15th. Last night at the Home Run Derby, there were about 703 home runs total hit. We will talk about that when we come back right here on the Ameren, Illinois Lunch Show with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. At St. Louis Acura, we have over 100 new Acura models and over 160 pre-owned models in stock or on the way in May. Get 4.9% financing for up to 60 months on 2023 Acura MDXs, TLXs, Integras, and RDX models. Or get a certified rate as low as 3.49% on certified TLX and MDX models. And you can earn up to $1,500 in loyalty incentives. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you. Back here, it's the Ameren, Illinois Lunch Show with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. Another new show that we've had over the past few weeks here on ClaibsOnline.com is a walk in the fairway with Nick Ragone of the Ascension Charity Classic. And Klaibs, we are about, what, two months away from the uh, from the Ascension Charity Classic right now. We are, and uh, it's starting to ramp up. You know, I was looking at the winners on the, t- on the Champions Tour so far this year, and all those guys who are winning, are going to be here in St. Louis. So this won't be a situation where you're saying to yourself, well, I've never heard of this guy before. No, these are all well-known golfers that are on the tour. 
And one of the other things I want to make sure we talk about is uh, when we do talk with Nick, we'd certainly talk about the Ascension Charity Classic. Uh, it's got a lot of other things that will take place around it and including uh, maybe a celebrity event like we've seen in the past. But love talking to Nick about what's going on around the world of golf. And obviously, now that uh, the commissioner, uh, Monaghan's back in business, or well, he'll be back on the 17th, it's going to be interesting to see how this live merger with the PGA works because there's already some rumblings about how um, the live people really want to drive this bus. And there's some people who want to push back. Uh, so I'm anxious to get his thoughts on what we've seen. We've had a couple of guys appear in front of Congress this week and talk about the, you know, the antitrust situations that could exist here. Uh, I just think there are a lot of people uncomfortable with a foreign entity having control of a American sport or, you know, the PGA, which is based here in the United States. Uh, so I, I'm not sure if this deal is going to get done, but I'm anxious to talk to Nick about that and certainly what the tour is going to look like this upcoming weekend. And more importantly, uh, the Ascension Charity Golf Classic that starts up uh, first weekend in September. It's going to be a lot of fun. We should have pretty good weather then. Uh, we've had very success, very good success with good weather for this tournament since it's been in existence. And uh, let's hope we keep our fingers crossed and we'll have it the same way this time coming early September. Weather here up in Seattle yesterday wasn't great, uh, but it got better as the uh, as the day went on. What you guys uh, were up here? What in April? For yeah. The, uh, I don't know how it you wasn't. Can... It was uh, crappy. Yeah, uh, I wasn't. Baseball a fan should of not it. be happening up here. If it's like this in July, April baseball is is probably really rough. Yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing: it's it's not like it's pouring rain. It's not like it's snow. It's just annoying just enough moisture, just enough inconvenience, just enough dampness to just make you say, man, I'd rather be indoors. And, you know, the stadium, as you know, it's not really a, a dome state. It's just like a carport. I mean, they got a, they have a roof over it, but everything else is open. And uh, that doesn't make it, things conducive for being comfortable in a ballpark. But it's a nice setup. Uh, they, they have the football stadium near the baseball stadium. And uh, it's a nice town. I mean, great restaurants, a whole nine yards, but I, I wouldn't retire there. I wouldn't I wouldn't go there. I know some people who cover baseball elected not to go because, A, the access to get to Seattle, and then also you have the Hall of Fame coming up uh, here fairly soon in, in uh, Cooperstown, and uh, some people just felt it wasn't worth it. Yeah, I could uh, I, I could understand that. Uh, and I will tell you this, uh, from a fan standpoint, the way the stadium was built yesterday, that was my fourth home run derby that I was a part of. And I like to walk around during the derby. I kind of like to, you know, go and see what the uh, how crazy the crowds are going to be when the balls are flying. They have a lot of netting up to protect the fans from getting hit with home run balls that was up during the home run derby still last night. So well, when you have loaded baseballs, you know, they, they kind of get there a little quicker. Oh, there was a kid that took a shot last night in the outfield to the point where he didn't move for about 10 seconds and people were starting to get real worried until he started to roll around a bit. And that was off the bat of uh, Vlad Jr., I think, in his semifinal round. It's uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty scary situation. I wonder, too, because last night, what, 300 and I, I had it here, 341 total home runs hit last night. Uh, that included a 41 out of uh, Julio Rodriguez. They're all using the bat, their own specialized bats, too. I wonder what those how, if, if those bats are loaded for the Derby as well. I would think so. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, this, this home run Derby thing does nothing for me. Uh, 
I mean, you're seeing the same thing on a regular basis. It's hard for them to even find people who want to participate in it. I, I know one one player in particular who said he'd never do it again. Uh, it's just too tricked up. I mean, it's like having a slam dunk contest with an eight-foot rail. So, you know, I know some people think it's cool, but I'm not one of them. I mean, it's something for me. I was in a venue last night where it was on, but the sound was down and nobody was paying attention to it. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what baseball can do to enhance it. Now, you know what? Here's what baseball should have done. You know, all these new rule changes and experiments, why not have the ABS system in place, the balls and strike thing? And see how that works amongst these players. Just to kind of unveil something different. And maybe any other item that you think you'd like to experiment with, why not roll it out for the All-Star game? Oh, you're talking about have the be able to challenge ball and strike calls yeah, in yeah. the game tonight. Exactly. Well, I would say last night, um, it, it is once Julio Rodriguez was out of it, once he was eliminated, the energy was also kind of sucked out of the crowd. Too. Well, yeah, so, because, it, yeah. you know, you can't sit out there for two or three hours having this this yeah. competition. You know, like, you know, when you look at the other sports, they break it up into different things, you know, faster skater, harder shot. You know, there's a lot of different things that go on. The NBA, you know, three-point shot, slam dunk, the passing drill. I mean, there's there's more to it than watching a guy swing, you know, for the fences. What other skill competitions could you have? I'd like to see the double play. I'd like to see the double play to see who can turn it the quickest. You know, you set it up where it comes off the bat at a certain speed. You have a zone on where you can play from and see how quickly you can, you can turn it. Or maybe who, who has the best throwing arm from the outfield. See, the throwing arm from the outfield, I would – I would think that there would be people that were teams that would not want their guy to kind of rev it up in a non and just a fun atmosphere, try to throw it 90 plus from the outfield. I would say more of an accuracy drill. Somebody like an Arenado standing at the shortstop position, throwing to a target at first base, kind of how they do in hockey with yeah. the plates up there. I, that's something that I think you could, that you could have set up and you could do that in between rounds of the home run derby too. You could put, Arenado out there and have him try to knock plates off of a target somewhere. Well, there you go. Now you can. Now you're part of the commissioner's advisory board. I I think you got something there. Yeah, right. I will submit that for next you, year. You send me Manfred's number and I'll uh, I'll get to work on that right away. All right. Uh, <laughs> the game tonight. Uh, well, also I guess we should go back to last night too. Um, it was you. You did have a few former Cardinals in there last night in Randy Arozarena and Adolis Garcia. And a player that was on the Cardinals' radar before he was signed, Luis Roberts. So you had three guys that are linked to the Cardinals there. Tonight, a former Cardinal starts for the National League uh, on the mound in Zach Gallon. So a, uh, a lot of former Cardinals that were traded away or, uh, or, or not signed uh, kind of uh, showcased here in the All-Star game this year. So what does that say? It says that, A, the Cardinals have the ability to, to spot good players. Uh, that have found their way to the big leagues. You know, I always remind people, just everybody you draft and everybody you sign is not going to play for you. Mm -hmm. You use those players in order to acquire other assets. And while the deals that the, the players we're talking about tonight did not work in the Cardinals' manner, what do you think they're saying in Arizona or, or in Colorado when they see Gorman and, I mean, when they see Arnado and Goldschmidt hit the field? So 
I think it's kind of a tribute to the Cardinals' ability to recognize players that can play in the major leagues, but they use some of those players to get assets that were closer to being ready than what these players were. Yeah. The, and then uh, sometimes they just miss. They just yeah. miss. I mean, and, right now, if you look at the Libertor trade, Tampa Bay's won it. Mm-hmm. You know, Libertor's back. He, we got a guy in the home run hitting contest. He's going to start. He's going to play in the all-star game. And the guy he was traded for is, is going back to Memphis. The uh, yesterday at the uh, at the media day, it was brought up to Pablo Lopez and Luis Arise. Uh, first time since 2008 that two players that were traded for each other are now all stars in the following year. So that's that's a case of a trade that is working out for both sides that I, yeah. I don't know if you can have a clear cut winner. It doesn't always work like that. Yeah, it, it, you know what? As you just mentioned, it's been since 2008 since we've had that happen. It normally doesn't work that way. Now, that doesn't mean guys can't be all-stars at different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, they're two different players that play two different positions. But, you know, uh, you, you want to see the deal work because you might want to do business later. But, you know, the bottom line is you're trying to improve your team. And that person that you give up, you know, you feel like you have somebody that can replace him in your rotation, and apparently the, the Marlins do because they, that's one thing they can do. They can pitch a little bit. Yep. So, you know, it works out, and, you know, and those those things happen in that manner. So I don't, I don't really put too much stock in to, you know, when teams get, get or for lack of a better term, get fleeced, you know, because if that's the case, can you name three of the guys who were traded for Arenado? Or can you name five guys who were traded for, for Goldschmidt? I mean, those, those guys are nowhere to be found. So, yeah. you know, you have to look at those sort of deals also when you when you add it all up. And you know, it's just the way the game works. Are you you win a few, the- you lose a few. No, I'm not watching. I'll find something else to do. Yeah, you know, watch any, of the, any of the pregame stuff? Uh, see, uh, see any of that? Well, thanks to uh, Fox and uh, DishNet, I mean, uh, DirecTV, there's, there's a blackout going on. That's still going on. Yeah. Oof. So there's a lot of people in the country that won't see it unless you have an antenna. Now I have one, but I don't know if I might find something else better to do. The only time I really enjoy the all-star game is the introductions. Yeah. That and any kind of pregame ceremony that they, uh, that they might have prior to the, uh, prior to the game too. So those are, those are always well uh, worth watching. And then la- I mean, last year, the all-star game just flew by. I mean, Goldschmidt hit the home run, Stanton hit a home run, and then it was just the bullpens took over, and it was three up, three down the rest of the way out. I got news for you. We could see that same thing tonight, especially yeah. with the pitch clock in play. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that too. By the way, Felix Bautista, the closer for the uh, for the Orioles, that's a big dude. By the way, that is, yeah. they may have the best bullpen in baseball. The Orioles? Yeah, between them and Philadelphia right now, both of those teams are rocking. Uh, Baltimore's got four guys they can run at you, and they can make it very interesting for you. Yeah, but but Philadelphia's got just... what three closers in their bullpen. Mm-hmm. So you know it's going to be it, it'll be interesting to see how those two teams hang in there. Uh, Philadelphia, I think you better pay attention to. I don't know if they can win a division, but they certainly can fight for a wild card. Um, Baltimore, you know what? Don't pinch them. They they feel like they got a shot, and if they go out and load up with. Maybe a veteran somewhere along the way, they might have a chance at a wild card. Yeah, last night uh, was uh, Adley Rutschman, the uh, the catcher for the Orioles. He uh, it, it was a uh, it was a pretty cool moment. Uh, he had his dad pitching to him in the uh, in the home run derby, 
And then in his bonus round, he switched from hitting left-handed to right-handed. And I think the entire minute, I think hit about seven or eight out right-handed after hitting 20 some out uh, left-handed. So he, for, for people that casual baseball fans that had never heard the name Adley Rutschman prior to the uh, home run derby yesterday, I think he, uh, he did a good job of putting his name out on on the map for, uh, for baseball fans to see just who he is and uh, what the Orioles have coming up through their uh, coming up on their team yeah. right now. I, they're, I, they're, you make a good point because the Orioles are not Fox's first choice for a national game or ESPN or anybody on a national front. Uh, so, you know, for that young man to get the exposure, and let's face it, he was a top pick, pick in the draft. I mean, this, this guy didn't stumble into this situation. He was highly touted from, I, I would imagine grade school. And they're only going to get better. Jackson Holiday got elevated, so it won't be long before we see him with the Orioles. And they have some other young prospects that they are trying to hold on to. So this is a team that's going to have a say-so, like Tampa. And I think the teams in the in the uh, East, in the American League East, the Yankees and the Red Sox, who traditionally were in, in, in charge, they're going to have to step back and take a look at how they do business. And I think one of the things you see now, the older teams – the teens of tradition, those are the ones that seem to be struggling more than anyone else uh, because I think that they they have had a tough time trying to get themselves acclimated to the rules and just the approach, and they've had some injuries. Uh, but these young guys, man, they might be around for a while, and if they go out and make a deal and get a, a real pro in there, they could really be a handful. Hey, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to get your thoughts on something the NBA rolled out the other day, a, another idea for ways to improve the game. We will talk about that right after this Ameren Minute. It's the Ameren Lunch Show with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. When there's a really epic storm with lots of outages and, and lots of damage, does Ameren, Illinois, do they, do they reach out to other companies? We do. We're part of what we call the uh, Mutual Assistance Network, and uh, that's other companies here in the Midwest that if we need assistance, we can call in resources from the generally contiguous states to Illinois. In a very big storm, uh, there are different mutual assistance organizations across the country, and we've called in folks from as far away as Texas and Florida, uh, Colorado, to come help out in storm. And we do the same when uh, hurricanes hit Florida and and the Gulf Coast. So uh, we, we do help each other out. We have uh, a resource in Lyman that are in limited supply, so there's only so many Lyman in the U.S., and we know that we have to support each other. Back here, it's the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. Coming up uh, this week, it'll be Good Nightingale. Uh, Klaibs, the hope is that Bob Nightingale and I are able to sit down some point today at T-Mobile Park in Seattle and record the show for this week that is brought to you each and every week by Ameren, Illinois, Gray Bar, the, uh, our friends at the Ascension Charity Classic, and also Klaibs, Fast Eddie's Bon Air. A, uh, you know, they, they, have the, uh, they have the roof, too, just like here at T-Mobile Park. Yeah, they do. And they've got a lot of other things, including the peel and eat shrimp, the Friday fast Eddie burger, and of course, the coldest beer in town. I know there's some other operations, operations that think they can do it better in Alton. Not even close. They've been at this for a long, long time. You see a lot of people go over there for lunch. A lot of people go over there to watch games or maybe play golf and then go have dinner there. Maybe you'll see some of your friends and family there. The only thing they tell you is anybody's welcome as long as you're 21 and over. 
So if you're thinking about something different, you've heard about Fast Eddie's. If you haven't been there, you're really missing out on maybe one of the fun experiences you'll have, not only throughout the summer, but any time during the year. And as you mentioned, Joe, they have their own retractable roof as well. They have a street named after them. We have a dispensary right down the street. What more could you ask for than another trip to Fast Eddie Bonaire in Alton, Illinois? Claves, the NBA announced just the other day they are going to do an in-season tournament, a new annual competition for all 30 teams that will debut this year, and it will debut November 3rd and culminate with a championship on Saturday, December 9th, with the semifinals on December 7th, and it will all take place at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. They're going to do group play. They're going to have knockout rounds. It's basically going to be like the World Cup that they are going to have to start the NBA season. Your thoughts on what the NBA is trying to do with this new uh, European-style tournament? Well, I like it. Um, There's a couple of things I'd like to know more about. uh, How the stats, how do they work as far as your own numbers, as far as you know, MVP and things of that nature, scoring champion. Uh, but I here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to enhance more interest at kind of a flat time of the year, the beginning of the year for the NBA. They get off to a little bit of a slow start. They try and stack the schedule to make sure that there's some recognizable teams. But I think this creates a little bit more interest for a lot of different reasons. The players will be compensated, you know, aside from the salary. So I, I like the concept and the direction that they're headed. Um, you know, leave it to the NBA to try and be progressive in the U.S. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, we've seen that in soccer, but this is not, uh, you know, I don't consider soccer uh, having the same impact on American sports as we see with the NBA. And if you don't believe me, ask them about their TV contract. So yeah. point being, they're trying to make this more conducive for television. And uh, I, I'm anxious to see how players embrace this, because as I mentioned, what uh, you can make, I think it's you get 50 grand just for playing and it gets higher and higher if you're on a winning team. So uh, I think what they put 18 million into this thing, as far as a pool is concerned. So there's, there's some money to be made for guys who are already making an average of $4 million a year. Yeah. The in season tournament prize pool will be allocated to players on the team that participate in the knockout rounds with allocations increasing, depending on how far a team progresses. Uh, the NBA will also name an MVP of the competition and an all-tournament team based on players' performance in both group play and knockout rounds. The group play games, those will count towards regular season games. So all of the group play games will uh, will count towards that. Um, that will not be the case in the uh, the knockout rounds moving forward. So, um, So here's my other question for you. I didn't see – I would assume that they're still going to have the All-Star game. I I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't. Okay. I mean, because they kind of varied off course with this in-season tournament. So, I don't know if it was at the sacrifice of the All-Star game. And I would think not because if I'm not mistaken, it's in Indianapolis this this season. Where was it last year? Was it that? I thought it was in Indy last year. It was. You know what? I think you're right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm all over the place here. The uh, the uh, two yeah the 2024 NBA All Star Game. No, it was Since in Utah last you year. You saw it's it in Indy this year. It is in Indy this year. Yeah. It was in Utah last year. It was that's in why Indy nobody. This year. That's, that's why I can't yeah. think of it because nobody. You know, well, Salt Lake City's Barkley trying to was not happy. Yeah, make Barkley a name for themselves. Um, you know, as far as trying to get an expansion baseball and trying to maybe try and get a hockey team. 
it's a nice place, I would think. I've only been there a couple of times, uh, but not my first location as far as uh, an all-star game. Uh, Claves, let's wrap up here today with uh, big news out of college football. Uh, yesterday, Northwestern uh, d- decided they were going to part ways with their 17-year coach, Pat Fitzgerald, after uh, reports of hazing within the football program came out. The team at first suspended him and then sent out a team-wide press release. And then as more information came out, uh, decided to fire him yesterday. Pat Fitzgerald has said that he will be facing or he will be seeking legal counsel to fight back on this. Well, there's a lot of things wrong with this. Uh, I think the way Northwestern handled it initially by giving him what a two week suspension, they didn't take it serious. And to show you how much, how little they took it serious, they fired the guy and the athletic director wasn't available, nor was the president. And uh, this is not going to go away quietly. There's one guy who had it in for Fitzgerald and, and maybe rightfully so. And now he's gotten some other people to, to testify on what they witnessed uh, for him to say, he didn't know anything about it. I just find that kind of, kind of odd. I mean, you they know, know everything about their program until they get, they're about to get in trouble for exactly. it. And they had no idea. So, but here's another question for you. We are in the middle of July and you just fired a football coach. So your coaches apparently knew about it. So which coaches do you keep and who's going to be your head coach this late in the year? Yeah. And and if, if you're some of these colleges now, you're like, Hey, look, portals open, baby. You know, you, you don't have to stay there. So I, mean, I, I just think you really this, want a player from North. I mean, Northwestern football players, really that, you know, well, you know what? They you only need one. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say this was Michigan. Okay. <laughs> uh, you only need one. But my point being, man, this is a, a terrible time to try. And, you know, they weren't very good last year. And at this rate, they may not be very good this year. But who do you hire as a coach? And because you've already you've already implicated that your coaches were involved in this thing anyway, your assistant coaches. Let so me I ask, don't know where you go from here. Let me ask you about the pu- future of Pat Fitzgerald. Which one is more likely, uh, more likely to happen first? A, he runs for some sort of office. B, he ends up on the Alabama coaching staff. Uh, I think he'll end up in the NFL as a, really? an assistant coach there. Okay. I don't think Alabama – you know, you can't have a guy like that with that kind of stain, alleged stain, uh, coaching college kids until we get to the bottom of this thing. So I don't think that works. I know Nick is bulletproof, but you bring a guy like that in, you're asking for trouble. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, Lane Kiffin never did any of this stuff, but right. he brought, you know, he brought him in. Yeah, but this is this is far exceeds anything Lane Kiffin could imagine. Right. If, if these allegations are true. Uh, and apparently um, the, the story is going around and it doesn't sound good. Um, so I, I would think that this guy will end up probably on an NFL staff somewhere where they can hide him a little bit more. I mean, if you're on a college staff and you're dealing with college kids, it's just just target practice for everybody else in the conference. It's not going to be uh, much longer before more comes out from the Northwestern campus because there's already been reports of Northwestern's baseball coach, Jim Foster. He's been accused of bullying and abuse of his players as well. Uh, so, but you know uh, what, Joe? I, I, let's back up for a second. You know, we use that term, and I'm a little older than you, but I'm sure you had coaches that you played with, played for, 
that maybe raise their voice and maybe challenge you to be better. Now, the language might be salty, perhaps, maybe not. Maybe it's just the fact that they call you out. But today's athlete, they get called out or maybe a certain word was used. All of a sudden, he's being abused. I mean, it's a different era in, in, in in the athletes that we deal with. So I'm a little leery when I hear that term because I'm not sure what that means as far as the language and, and the other things that come with it. Now, the, the alleged hazing incidents, I've been around things similar to that, but not to that extent. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not advocating that, you know, you do something like that. I mean, there's a fine line between hazing and having fun uh, that got, everybody gets. I, I remember when I went to college, you know what hazing was? You, you shade your head. Your freshman, you know, everybody it didn't care how long your hair was. You shaved your head. Yeah. Uh, so every, everybody's got a different definition about what this is all about. So I'd like to get more information on what was said and how it was conveyed uh, before we get into the thing about being abused. You know, you if got you read, your feelings hurt. Yeah. Oh, well, sorry, man. You know, I mean, this, this we're trying to make you better. If you read the report, it mostly just comes off as a coach that he's not really prepared and he doesn't really know how to handle things not going his way. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, it's more or less just the guy just comes off as more of just a bad person and a bad coach than any kind of abuse or anything like that. It's just a guy that just shouldn't be coaching is yeah. more or less what it comes off as, as just a mistake of a hire by Northwestern. Yeah. And you know what? That coach might be one of those guys who, um, just doesn't connect, you know, it just doesn't connect to today's player. And, and let's face it, you deal with a little bit high GPA guys with Northwestern players. So maybe they look at things a little different. And, and again, I'm going to go back to it one more time. I think we've got to get more information on how this whole thing unfolded. Uh, Northwestern kind of poo-pooed it. So I'm not sure if I trust their ability to investigate this. So I think there's got to be more of an outside impact uh, to get to the bottom of it. And then let us ascertain how severe this is. Um, you know, they had to do something. They had to throw some blood in the water. When when blood was in the water, they had to throw somebody in. And Fitzgerald's the guy because he's on his watch. And, you know, we've seen a lot of people lose their jobs because of the, the incompetence of somebody who worked under them. And you can say, well, that's your responsibility to know this person is capable. And obviously this guy was a rogue. I'm sure if he was doing this, no one would have hired him. So maybe this is something that it came out of nowhere, or maybe this is something that they concealed for the most part. So like I said, we got to get more information. It's unfortunate the guy loses his job because not only does he lose his job, you know, some other people on the staff that had nothing to do with this other than maybe not coming forth and saying, Hey, look, this is wrong. And I don't know if they knew that or not, because we don't know all the answers. That's going to wrap it up for our show today, Klaibs. Uh You have off until Friday when the Cardinal, Cardinal baseball. Yep. We have the Washington Nationals in town and uh, should be an interesting series. Uh, you know, Cardinals took two out of three against the Nationals. Um, so this is a series that I think you have to sweep. But, you know, one thing, Joe, before we get out of here, every team now feels like we got a second chance. We push the reset button. So just like the Cardinals feel like they can climb back in it, I'm sure that there's the Washington Nationals who are further back feel like they can be more respectable as how, how hard they play down the stretch. So um, it's going to be a tough series like they all will be from this point on. But, you know, the Cardinals don't have as difficult of a schedule as some do. 
So maybe they can take advantage of that and, and climb back in this thing. I will be uh, headed down to T-Mobile Park here in just a bit. All of the uh, pregame festivities and everything else. You could follow all of my uh, socials for uh, content for both of those. And then uh, we'll be doing Daily Cards Live, the All-Star Game Edition with Bob Ramsey and Matt Rocchio before the first pitch tonight. And hopefully getting together with Bob Nightingale before the or uh, after the game is over as well for another episode of Good Nightingale right here on Claybs Online. Until then, he is Mike Claiborne. I am Joe Roderick. This has been the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show, powered by Ameren Illinois and Gray Bar, and also driven by our friends at Munganass St. Louis Acura right here on ClaybsOnline.com. So what made you get involved in this program? I mean, you had multiple options, I'm sure, but what made you think that this is something you wanted to do? Well, um, I wasn't quite sure what kind of career path I wanted to take at the time. And I heard about the Painters Union and all the great things about it. Um, basically, they put you through this apprenticeship. It's a four-year apprenticeship. And um, they teach you everything you need to know about the trade. So it was pretty hard for me to pass up once I heard that. Well, um, I think mostly it was just knowing that you know, the, they're, they're here to protect you, the union is, and uh, knowing that I was going to be able to take my time to learn, I was, it wasn't going to be one of those things where they're forced to, day one, jump right into it. And I think once I figured that out, I mean, I love an opportunity to grow, and I think that that's the best thing.